What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Bonjour now. Bonjour to you as well. How are you this fine day? The moon is looking real creepy yeah. outside, and it's making me feel like there's going to be some werewolf action going on out there. So no, it literally I'm a little, like, little nervous like hit, to go home. behind clouds. Yeah. Like, have you ever watched the old like 1940s, like the original Wolfman movie? No. Oh, it's good. The Wolfman genre was never really my thing until... The Underworld movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> oh, then they're awesome and really And all cool. of those werewolf-related Magic the Gathering cards, which I think are good, but that I never use. I just think they look really cool. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, the Wolfman, the old Wolfman, the old Wolfman and the Creature of the Black Lagoon were like old horror movies that like legitimately scared me when I was a kid growing up. The most, I think, archaic Wolfman knowledge I have is that uh, the other, the one and only other <laughs> podcast I listen to on the regular, the H.P. Lovecraft Literary oh, Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They typically do like a whole month. What do they call it? Something is for werewolves. It's like May or June. One of the months of the year is for, is it March? Is March for werewolves? Maybe. I don't know. I don't you know never either. listened to it. You wouldn't nope. know. Uh, anyways, I know Wolfman things. The point is, they, they go back and do like literature that is related to werewolves and various werewolf mythology. And one of the oldest pieces of literature they did on it was the original Werewolf of Paris, oh, okay. which was written way farther back than you think it was. Like, let me actually, this is very off topic, but Werewolf of Paris. And it's not. Like the movies, like it's like you have seen way old. It's way old. The Werewolf of Paris was written in eighteen seventy. Oh, Originally, oh wait, that can't be right. All right, this is nineteen thirty three, but I don't think that's correct. Okay, I will have to double check on that. I think While you're so. checking that out. Oh, wait, maybe it is because it's Guy Endor. That sounds right. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so it was 1933. It takes place in the 1800s. Oh, okay. So that's why go. I'm confused. Anyway, so they talked about the Werewolf of Paris, and all I know is that it sounds like an awesome book that I will never read. Because it's, it's re- so old. Because it's really and old. it's like, why read it? They, yeah, yeah. yeah, they already told me all about it. Anyways, <laughs> read it maybe? Sure. Just, when you're not one to read about werewolves uh, in Paris, you can stick around here for Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about games and apparently sometimes werewolves. But new episodes come out on Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time. You can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You can also watch a video version of each episode over on our YouTube channel. And you can find us on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can join our Discord server. And finally, if you're really loving what we're creating for you each and every week, you can head over to Patreon.com, where it's for as little as a dollar a month and maybe a little bit more. We have some couple other tiers you can check out. You can support the show, and in return, we give you cool perks, like getting the episodes early before the general Tuesday release, access to a private channel on our Discord server, and a newer uh, reward that we're giving out is access to Team Chit Chat, which is a sideshow that Mogan had the idea to start, which is where we talk about things outside of video games. So you can kind of get to know us and our thoughts and opinions on on topics that don't necessarily relate to video games quick, at all. Quick, quick preview for the most recent one we just recorded for. Are you a fan of Baz Luhrmann? You should definitely listen to you it. listen to it. <laughs> so yeah. That better hook you. <laughs> but, that's, uh, but yeah, so we're offering that as well. You can head over to patreon.com slash podcast where you can see all of the different rewards and things that we offer. So check that out if you don't mind. But if you can't do that, no big deal at all. You can still support us by either uh, subscribing, uh, writing us some reviews, telling your friends, all that great stuff. In fact, I got to say, I just want to read this one thing because this 
we we actually got someone who t- who tweeted us out on oh yeah on a, and what it was nice just fella. really cool yeah, it made me feel cool really good and so so I just want to give a shout out really quick what's um, that guy's name I'm looking at it right now uh, Christopher over on on Twitter uh, cipher cypherpunk Chris was his handle what a cool he name said, for starters right? yeah awesome. that's a neat name how does Team Chat Podcast have less than 200 YouTube YouTube subscribers this is a great channel made by gamers for gamers and you should go and check it out and quite we honestly, got over that now that uh oh we well, did yeah Oh, Did you not check? check? I'll have to go check. Are you again. a fool? I'm sorry. <laughs> but still, that uh thank you, Chris. Like yes, I saw thank that you. It, it was and it, it just it made me feel all warm and fuzzy. And inside. honestly, that's one of the easiest ways that you can support the show is yeah. on your own social media channels. You know, if you can just give us a shout out, it costs you no dollars, maybe like a tiny fraction of your soul if you're lying. Tiny if bit. you're lying, but if it's the truth, costs you nothing and does a ton to help us. So exactly. we appreciate it very very sincerely. So thank you to everyone presents. who supports us and listens to us each and every week. We appreciate all of you. But now, before we move on to the main topic of the day, we've got to give those new games that are coming out and sending the other news in our moment with Mogan. I got distracted Sorry, by the werewolf told you Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie doodles. Okay, anyways. So much like last time, there's going to be a lot of repeats here because apparently nothing big or massive is coming out it's really like not until in the February. early part of January. There is, however, going to be a few notable games coming out later this month. Cool. So as of January 17th, all of the following are coming out. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Tokyo Mirage Sessions hashtag FE is coming out for the Switch. Again, that's a port from the one that was out on the Wii U eons ago mm-hmm. uh coming out on the 21st january 21 Mega Man zero slash zx Le- legacy collection that's for playstation 4 xbox one switch and pc also moons of madness for playstation 4 xbox one could that possibly be a werewolf related game who knows <gasps> it might be anyways and on january 23rd all the others are coming out final fantasy oh no this one is actually outdated Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered was going to be coming out for PlayStation 4 and Switch, but it got pushed back. Uh, I believe to summer. I'll have to look up the exact month, but it is no longer coming out on the 23rd. Sorry, everybody. Uh, But uh, this is something that I actually didn't know was coming out, and I'm very surprised and kind of happy to see it. Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. Is this like DLC. Oh, okay. It's actual like real DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3, which I don't think they've ever done before, aside from obviously the many spinoff games. So that's a a little surprising. We'll have to check in with our good buddy Pixel Brave. We will. And uh, see what his, yes, get his thoughts will. on that. Yes, we will. That's, of course, exclusively for PlayStation 4, and that's January 23. Also on the 23rd, we have Oddworld, Stranger's Wrath HD. That's an unlikely resurrection of the Oddworld series, which mm-hmm. is very old. Uh, that's coming out for Switch. We also have Rugby 20 for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, is coming out for PC, and that is everything through the 23rd. Boom, there you go. Getting just closer and closer. The, big, the first big release I'm looking forward to this year is Ori and the Will of Wisps. Yeah. Gotta wait till February till February. Those, but we're getting closer, ever closer. So excited for that. All this talk of werewolves has made me realize that there actually aren't that many video games about werewolves. You know what's a great one that's about werewolves? What? The Order 1886. Is it really... I guess I forgot that it had where is it also vampires? Vampire, oh, it's vampires yeah. and lichens. Can I borrow it again for sure. three more years? <laughs> so anybody who doesn't Only know that did story, not play it. Like as soon as we started this podcast, like I want to say it was like two, like maybe really like two episodes on. in or something. Like we just like kind of started to know each other and everything, and and. Uh, you, it was, I guess, it was when you got your PS4. Yeah, it must have been. So yeah, and uh, and so she wanted to borrow a couple of my games and everything. So I gave her, I gave you a Assassin's Creed Black Flag, 
uh, Kill the Order Zone. 1886, Killzone Shadowfall, and just a few others to be like, here, try these ones that I like. I don't think you touched any of I them. I did not. But you had them for like a solid three years. I had years. them for three years. <laughs> to be fair, they did make it with uh, me from my old apartment to my second apartment. Oh, I mean, apartment. you gave them back. So, so like, like I gave them back in pristine condition oh, yeah. because I literally did not touch but them. But no, you need to... You, I, 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 for how short of it is, you could run through it so quick. And I it's, just, a, it's a fun... It's a fun genre. It's I just kind of guiltily, themes, guiltily had to shuffle them around to new locations <laughs> every now and then. And I'd be like, someday. Someday I'll, <laughs> I'll take you back to your home. <laughs> But no, I think no. I think it, it's a great one. It's about werewolves and vampires. So no one can say about me that I don't return games. I do. Oh yeah, it just takes a while. <laughs> but that's fine. I, I played them all. I beat them. I wasn't yeah, waiting. There you I was, go. It was all good. <laughs> so today we have a couple reviews uh, on the docket. We're going to start off with Mogan. She she brought one to the table that she is still working through. So it's not a complete review, but like a, a first impression or midway through the game impression. But what? Uh, and I definitely think that I have enough of an impression of the game to give an informed opinion on yeah, it yeah, yeah. because it's not a long game. Uh, it is one of those shorter indie games. I'm going to be talking about Wander Song, a delightful little indie game that I picked up. Um, I think on like holiday sale post Thanksgiving pre Christmas. Oh, okay. I can't remember exactly when I bought it, uh, but I've slowly been playing through it it's like i said not a long game i think the runtime is maybe 11 hours if you're really dragging your feet i'm really dragging my feet because i'm having such a fun time right and i'm trying to drag it out and do all the things uh, as much as i can because i just i want the experience to last so to give you kind of a brief overview obviously i won't be able to spoil too much because i don't know what happens up to a certain point Mm -hmm. i will be hitting on some story elements so it's going to be lightly spoilery but most of what i'm going to talk about comes from the very early stages of the game so it's not going to give too much away i'm excited so, about this because I, li- I literally know nothing about this game. wander song it, it made a big splash when it came out i think it was first teased at like pax or e3 or games expo something like that in maybe like 2016 17 mm-hmm. and then it came out for steam uh PC in general and Switch, I think, all in like November of 2018, I want to say, September, November of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it came out, it was very well received. Um, it did actually get nominated for a wide variety of awards. Uh, let's see here. Accolades. Wander Song was named the ninth best Nintendo Switch game of 2018. Oh, wow. And the 13th best PC game of 2018. Uh, and that was by the magazine Paste. It also won at the end of, at the 2019 Indie Games Festival. It was nominated for Excellence in Narrative and received honorable mentions for the Seamus McNally Grand Prize, Excellence in Visual Art, and Excellence in Audio. It was also nominated for blah, 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 blah. It also got a nomination at the South by South by Gaming Awards. Hey. So it was all over the place. Uh, and one of those I think is really notable because it was nominated for Most Fulfilling Community Funded Game. So this was one of those games that was funded on Kickstarter. So this would have been, you know, quite a few years ago. But um, many games that I love very dearly were funded on Kickstarter, Hollow Knight being one of them. Mm -hmm. So I, like, look at Kickstarter-funded games. I'm like, they could go any direction. They could potentially be terrible. But most of those that are really bad never actually get made because the creators, like, renege on what their promises were. The ones that usually tend to make it through to final production often have so much heart put into them and so much community like support that they wind up being amazing. And I think that's kind of the case with Wander Song. So the setup is you are a bard 
You are everybody's most beloved class across all RPG-type gaming media. So your name is just the Bard, um, and some people will call you, like, Lil Bard, because you're, like, a little dude. You're, like, a little dorky Bard. You're, like, super silly, and the whole game's tone is one of just lighthearted, positivity, silly fun. And that's why I think it's such a good game to be playing in the dead of winter, because it's a bright spot even though it was 75 today, assuming it were colder, it's a bright spot in a dark, gloomy world, which is also kind of the tone the game is trying to set because you are the bard and you're from a town called, I don't remember what the starting town is called, but you come home one day from your various adventures, I guess, and you find that your town barding is across the from barding indeed. And you find that your town is suddenly invested with ghosts and you're oh. like, uh, what are these ghosts doing here? So you're wandering around trying to figure out what the ghosts are doing, haunting your neighbors. And all of your neighbors are like, Bard, you better just stay out of this. You know, you're no hero. We, we, we can handle this. And the mayor of the town is like, got a chair. And she's like going to chair the ghost to death, but they clearly don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So through XYZ, other adventures that the bard goes on during that time you find out that the ghosts are speaking like the the language of the other world like the beyond which is why nobody can communicate with them but the bard somehow makes it into the spirit realm Mm. and he does that through the power of song song is what connects us to that spiritual realm so he actually like physically makes it to the spirit realm and he kind of learns from some other characters what's going on So the essence of what the core uh, conflict of the game is, is that the world is literally going to end. The whole world. Because the goddess of your entire universe, the universe as you know it, Aya, uh, she just kind of periodically decides to hit the hard reset button and start life all over again. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for the bard and everybody else in his current world, that time is right now. So you learn that the world is ending and all of these ghosts have briefly returned to your town because as it turns out, they are uh, people's loved ones. They are in fact friends and family members that have come back to be with, (laughs) morbidly enough, they've come back to be with their currently alive you know, friends and family Mm -hmm. because they know the world is ending and they're like, well, I as well spend some last few minutes b- with you before literally everything gets destroyed. Which I guess includes the spirit world in this case, because the ghosts seem to imply that they are also going to disappear mm. when the goddess Aya hits that hard reset button. But you learn from another character that there is apparently, supposedly, a way to stop Aya from resetting the whole world, destroying the universe. And that is to sing the Earth Song. So the Earth Song is the culmination of the voices, the, the the passionate song of all living creatures on Earth. And if you can collect all of the pieces of the Earth Song, because it's broken into pieces and it's being um, basically guarded by a few different deities, more mm-hmm. or less. So if you can learn all of the pieces of the Earth Song and basically bring all life on Earth into a certain amount of harmony, uh, you can sing it and Aya will look down and be like, well okay, I guess you can keep going for like a little longer. Like it's not necessarily a fix forever. It just gets Aya to be like, okay, maybe life isn't so bad. I guess they can keep going for a little while longer. I can just, I can just sit on this one. I'll come back to it later. Uh, So that's the whole setup for the entire game. In terms of the look of it, it is 
absolutely charming. Uh, it's kind of a mix. You, you know Paper Mario. Mm -hmm. How it's like that flat 2D paper style. Or even Yoshi's, like, um, not Yoshi's Crafted World. The one before that. Yoshi's Woolly, Woolly World. Yeah. Actually, both of them would apply. And even, really, um, Yoshi's Island. Like, the look and feel of the old Yoshi's Island games. Where it looks like... Kind of a really flat 2D plane that almost looks like everything is cut out of construction paper. So all of the colors in Wander Song, they kind of have like this toy-like cartoony look to them, but they are as bright as all get out. Whoever had the color palette on this one, and it was just the one guy who I guess I should probably say who made it because it's like good for them. It was a really small team. So this is from Greg Lobanov. So he's an American-Canadian indie developer, and he was joined by a few other people who assisted him, such as Gordon McLattery uh, assisted him primarily with the soundtrack and the game's audio. Um, he worked on Duelist, Parkitect, and Rogue Legacy. And I think they also got some assistance from M. Halberstadt, who worked on the sound design for Night in the Woods. Oh, okay. So this is like a nice little indie team of just basically three people, uh, Greg, M, and third one that has immediately slipped my Gordon. mind, Gregory Gorm Gordon. Too. Sorry. <laughs> I can't remember. Sorry. I saw the words and they instantly left my it brain. Sometimes. Uh, but basically the inspiration for the game. Wait, where was I going with this? You're talking about how it was a smaller group and a smaller team. Yes. It's a smaller group. So obviously they can't be going like call of duty level current call of duty level yeah. graphics. So it has a very simplistic appeal to it, but it is so gorgeous to look at everything you know the colors on like alienware and razor products mm -hmm. where they like cycle through those really bright super hyper uh like neon colors yeah that's kind of what the whole game looks like all right and it's really it's really fun and pretty to look at but the way that you in, in interact with the world is you are of course a bard and you sing for everything you sing when you're regular talking to people like when you're holding a conversation the bard is singing other people aren't singing but you're singing <laughs> and it's very much hinged on a mix of environmental uh, environmental puzzles and kind of like in-game mini games that all interact around your core mechanic of your singing wheel uh, so I'm playing this on Nintendo Switch. I don't know if the controls are, they're probably different to some extent on PC and whatever. Mm -hmm. But the singing wheel on the Switch is entirely uh, controlled via the right analog stick. So the minute that you start to hold down any direction on the right stick, a wheel of colors will show up around the bar. And I think there's eight colors that kind of show up around him. There's like red, pink, yellow, orange, blue. It kind of goes in like a Roy G. Biv sort of mm -hmm. setup. Uh, but if you hold the stick in any one of those eight directions, the bard will vocalize the note assigned to that section. I don't actually know which exact notes he sings. I guess there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then some sharps. A, B, F. C, D, E, F, G. I said a. F. Oh, you did? I said A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. <laughs> that is eight. Yeah, no, and wait. Sharps and flats. Five, six, that's seven. So one of them has to be a sharp or a flat. 
Anyways, anyway it yeah. doesn't matter. I'm not a music <laughs> theorist. I don't know what they are. The point is that when you ping any one of these directions, the bard sounds that note. And some of the ways that you interact in the game are very simple. So if you're talking to someone um, and you're just trying to reply, answers will show up on your ping wheel for your colors and you'll just kind of hover over whichever one you want. And then you can just randomly, you know, spiral your thumb in a circle to basically fill in the syllables through nonsensical song. It doesn't actually do anything. It's just how you talk to other people. Uh, But where the game really gets creative and where I think it really shines are its various puzzles and mini games. So a great example of this is pretty early on the game. I think it's maybe like the second chapter. You wind up uh, accidentally, non-accidentally, like you definitely wanted to as the bard, but it wasn't necessarily your main mission. You wind up joining a band in like this local small town that is like slowly dying because the young people keep moving away, blah, blah, blah. So you're trying to like reinvigorate this town and you get pulled in by the locals to join their band to play it like their cool club. And he's like, yeah, I'm definitely into that. Meanwhile, the person that's with you on this journey to save the world is like, do not join that band. And you're like, cool, I won't. I take this seriously. But I was born but to good, sing. But I was born to sing and I'm going to join that band. So you have to go around and collect these other members of your band. You have to convince them to join you. And then when you actually play at the concert that night, one of the kind of more easy to follow ways that you use your vocalizations are you might very simply kind of play a game of Simon Says mm. where you're more or less just following along with what other characters are making sounds of at the time. Okay. So for example, if the violinist in your band is going through her spiel and you're just sort of supposed to sing along with her, you just have to follow along with the notes that she's putting out. Now during these times, it is very much worth noting that this game was made with accessibility in mind. So even though it's a super bright, colorful game, game that is all about sound, even if you're colorblind or even if you have impaired hearing, you should still be able to play the game because all of these um, basically vocal cues on your color wheel, they are also accompanied by very obvious uh, visual cues. So for example, when the violinist is playing, you can see like kind of swooping color lines associated with wherever on the wheel she's playing. And this is a recurring theme. So you can always see that direction in terms of what you can see, you know, it could be wind, it could be flowers, it could be kind of anything in the natural environment that gives you a cue of this is that note because it's going to the upper right. This is that note because it's going straight down. So it is still playable even if you have, you know, any sort of visual or audio impairment. Um, And I think that's just a really nice touch. Mm -hmm. So in terms of kind of where the game really shines, though, so the Simon Says ones are really fun, and it always feels really good to play along with these songs because the more... um, as you progress through them and as you do successfully, basically as you successfully sing the songs, the music kind of like swells with your success. Right. And then when you finally get to the end and you've successfully finished the song, it like kind of pans out to give you like just a moment to really admire your work. And it's like, ah, oh, this is nice. I feel good about this. Which makes sense that you love this game so much because especially how much we love game soundtracks. This is like literally about building the game soundtrack. It is. It's a marriage of worlds that we cannot get enough of. Yeah. Now, the other portion, and you know, the Simon Says is really fun, but the other portion where the game really gets super creative is it's not short. Mm -hmm. I think it's maybe six to eight chapters in total. Uh, And each chapter kind of seems to go along. This might prove to be different towards the end of the game, but currently each chapter seems to interact with a portion of the spirit world where you have to go to a different deity to try and get part of the song 
song, uh, the earth song. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the spirit world, that's where you get a lot of really creative environmental puzzles. And those I think are really fun. So for example, one of the ones that I just kind of finished, um, maybe a, maybe a couple of weeks ago by now is you have to figure out how to traverse your way up a mountain to the temple or the castle or whatever, where this deity lives. But the bard doesn't have a lot of mobility. He kind of just has walk and jump and one button that is solely dedicated to dancing. There's Amazing. a dedicated dance button. If you hold down R, no, it's L. If you hold down L, is it R? It's either L or R. If you just hold that button down at any given time, the bard just dances. Amazing. And you can find this character at various times of the game that will teach you new dances. And you can just set your favorite dances. You can cycle through them. So you can be talking to someone and doing a perfect pirouette in place the whole time. You can pirouette your way across the map. <laughs> I, I don't walk anywhere. You I dance. pirouette and I dance my way through life. How which fun. all games should have that. What a fun... They didn't, Even the darkest, broodiest of games they didn't have to he didn't lobanov didn't have to put that dance button in there but he did and that's that's just just wonderful kudos to you good (laughs) sir because every time i dance i'm like i feel better now this is a good feeling what's really funny is that the bard's um expression can change with conversations so even if you've just finished a conversation with someone and the bard's expression is like kind of grim he'll still dance (laughs) but like with this grim expression i just don't feel (laughs) but damn it i have to dance i just i have to (laughs) it's really funny the point is so he doesn't have a ton of mobility he Mm -hmm. can really just walk and jump a very small distance. So if you're trying to get across a big chasm, you have to find a way to use the power of song to get yourself from point A to point B. Uh, And one of the ways in this particular puzzle was there are a combination of flowers and animals around that you can basically manipulate by using the power of song. So for example, if you've got like a, uh, a flower that kind of climbs on a vine, the direction that you sing in dictates where the flower grows. Okay. So it can grow to you, and then standing on it, you can grow yourself up a ledge. And then let's say that you make it to a pretty big chasm that you have to cross, and there are no flowers around. But you can hear, slightly off screen, maybe somewhere else, you can hear a bird singing. And you can maybe see the vo- the, the visual cues that it's giving for the different notes. If you sing that bird's song... It kind of befriends it, and it will come to you. And then if you jump, the bird will give you like a double jump, basically. Oh, okay. So it's this really unique combination of story-driven elements and just really fun. I won't even call it platforming because it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's just fun puzzling. And it is worth noting that even if you're not a puzzle game fan, you do not have to be in any way, shape, or form to play this game. The puzzles are you know, interesting, and they're really clever, but they are not brain busters. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be thinking I'm stuck on this level because I can't figure out this puzzle. You are eventually going to figure out what you're going to do. It's probably not even going to take you that long to figure it out. And you'll be able to go from there. Uh, In terms of the storytelling itself, it is charming from head to toe. Every character you meet has their own personality and they are all equally silly and wonderful. Mm. Every interaction with somebody else is like hilarious. Uh, I think I just talked to a bird that didn't really like me very much (laughs) uh, because I was basically making him do his job and he gave me quite the sassin. And then I had to like sing at him to make him go away so that I could get from point A to point B. But everything is just fun and silly 
and I can't say enough good things about it, but I do want to give a little bit more background on why Lobanov chose to make this particular game. This is really fun. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Development. So... It is Greg. It's Greg Lobanov. The the G's just kind of messed up. Oh, I me. thought you were t- trying to remember the name of the other one. No. Oh, maybe I of was. Of the other person. Anyways, the point is, don't worry about it. Greg Lobanov is who you're talking about. Yes. Right okay. So, um, blah, 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 blah. where does it start? Um, let's see here. Lobanov took across the United States from. Oh, okay. Here we go. And this is just what just for yes, people who so want to read more about this. This is from the Wikipedia. Okay. So this is from kind of what uh, how development kind of started for the game. So development on the game started in October 2015 and was inspired by a cross country bike trip Lobanov took across the United States from October 2014 to March 2015. Oh my god! He was on the road for months. That's amazing in and of itself. So it says Lobanov wanted to translate the. Feel of that journey where he had met various people and felt overwhelmed by their perceived kindness and generosity. So it says originally he went for a more literal interpretation of the cross country bike trip that inspired him developing games around biking, but these were ultimately dissatisfying. So feeling that they were missing the spirit of the trip, he opted instead to create a game with a really hippie, dopey, joyful rainbow message. And that has been accomplished in spades. Because, I mean, from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like this game is necessarily a difficult one. Oh, it's or not. Or, like, has a challenge. No. It's literally one that you're just supposed to play to enjoy the journey That is exactly the point. The that's point fun. Is because that's fun to have a game like it that. It is. And even though there's this big kind of cosmic crisis happening in the background of you literally trying to save your universe from being destroyed, right. you never lose that feeling of this just upbeat, dopey, hippie, rainbow fun happiness. Yeah. So it's amazing that he managed to accomplish, to, like, juxtapose those two things against each other and make a game that manages to function fantastically. Uh, So even though I'm not done with it, cannot recommend enough. It's really inexpensive. Uh, I think I got it on sale for eight bucks. Oh, nice. And I think even if you pay full price, I'm pretty sure it's still less than $20. It might even be less than 15. So Wandersong, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Short game, short and sweet, bright, colorful, happy, fun, Go play it. Support American Canadians on long bike trips. <laughs> <laughs> they might make a game about you. They, they Tangentially, might. but they might. <laughs> so that's amazing. That sounds great. Uh, I For not knowing anything about it, that definitely sounds like something. I think just like, you know, just to have, like kind of what you're and slowly make my way through. I like, I'm, I really kind of want to play it now. It sounds, I'm, it sounds like it would be just a lot of musical fun and adventure and really one of its strong points is that you can drop it and pick it back up at any given point it's a very user-friendly game it saves every second oh wow so like after any given conversation it's already auto-saved so if you want to just exit out of it and go do something else you can come back and pick up right where you left off nothing lost so in terms of user-friendliness again 10 out of 10 so it's just a really fun game to pick up on the fly play a little bit of get a little pick-me-up and then go do something else nice sounds like a wonderful fun fun time it is great well so i don't necessarily mean to take this in the complete opposite direction but unfortunately, that's what's about to happen. This seems to always happen to it us. Does. <laughs> we like pair, choose these opposite yeah. games of each other. It's not on purpose. They share some similarities in the fact that do they? In the fact that it was also an independent game. The one I'm about to talk about is also an independent game, also funded from Kickstarter. Ah, oh, so Kickstarter games, Kickstarter, man. They're they're great. They're they good got some, games. You know, they they make some good stuff. Uh, but the game that I'm going to talk about is. 
Blasphemous, <laughs> Blasphemous from the Game Kitchen. Came out on September 10th of 2019. It's on Switch and PC for now. Um, I don't know exactly if they're planning on porting it to other things, but that's I where you can get it I would be pretty surprised if they don't, given its success. Did I say it's PC, Switch, and... PS4? No, it's not that. Okay, I, th- I thought I, I, I didn't say that it was on Switch. But I played it on Switch. Um, so, Blasphemous is a platforming game. Very much a Metroidvania-style uh, style game. Uh, but the setting of this one... So, I actually did grab... Uh, just because... To have a more succinct story. Because I'll, I'll get into a little bit more of why this is. But this is from uh, the story. This is like the official story synopsis. A foul curse has fallen from the land, upon the land of Custodia and all its inhabitants. It is simply known as the Miracle. <gasps> and yet Play, it's a curse. It's a curse, but it's called the Miracle. Oh, my God. Play as the penitent one, a sole survivor of the massacre of the silent sorrow. Trapped in an endless cycle of death and rebirth, it's down to you to free the world from this terrible fate and reach the origin of your anguish. That sounds like a lot of heavy stuff going it's a on. A lot of heavy stuff. Going really, on. I'm, I'm already feeling bummed out from Wonder Song. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry to bring hard it down come so hard. Down. I'm sorry. We should have done Wonder Song for yeah. a second. <laughs> but so you explore the nightmarish world of twisted religion and discover its many secrets hidden deep inside. Use devastating combos and brutal executions. Okay, so that's just more talking about how you play the game. I'll get onto that myself. But so basically, yes, you are the penitent one. And this game does draw very heavily upon religious iconography and and religion in general, specifically Christian or or Catholicism. Yeah, it um, seems to be very Catholic inspired. Yeah. And I like games like this that draw on this and give it the twist. Like one of my favorite games I've talked about before a lot is Dante's Inferno. And this gave me a lot of strong Dante's Inferno vibes just from the different uh, creatures that you fought in the and just the overall feel of it. Granted, you're not going through the seven circles of hell, but you're still exploring a very hellish twisted deformed landscape and it just has like all these different uh you know just like for example there's a there's an enemy that you fight who looks like a priest sitting in a floating chair sitting or a bishop sitting in a floating chair who has like a big uh, trident that he like stabs down oh heavens to betsy yeah (laughs) and so it's just lots of different things like that plus there's like one of the bosses is Our Lady of the Charred Visage oh and different things like that. So they all have these very religiously influenced names and settings and themes. But what so the big focus of this is is it is very much a platforming game. You're running along, you there are environmental hazards along with all the different enemies that you have to fight. And basically your main weapon is a sword, the Mia Culpa which I love that as the name of the sword. And you, as the penitent one, you are voiceless. You... Do you know what that means? Mia culpa? I forget. I'm pretty sure it's my fault. It's either my fault or my guilt. I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, cul- one of those things I probably should have looked up. Culpa, I think, is guilt. It's either like, it's. I think it means your fault, or in this case, my fault. An acknowledgement of sure. one's fault or error. Oh, right on the nose. Well, luckily, I took many years of Spanish that didn't pay off into real ability, <laughs> but I can occasionally pick something up. So basically, this is you're going through this. You're trying, like the story synopsis says, you're trying to find the origin of your anguish. The world around you, like you, you very quickly after you leave the first few stages of this of the game, you go into this town and you meet these villagers there who are very much in suffering. And throughout the game, you can find different things that you can give to them to help try to ease their anguish. And but also your the end goal is trying to figure out the source of the miracle. What is the miracle, and why is it wreaking such havoc upon Custodia? Which I have to say, I keep wanting to say Custodian. 
but it's Custodia. It's not a good name. I wonder why they picked that one. Yeah, I don't Do know. they ever explain it? No. Not oh. really. Also, I just looked up a picture of the charred visage of Our Lady or whatever. Terrifying. Horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Mm. Uh, so, and that's what a lot of it is. It's very, that's what I mean. It's very much Don His Averto. Like, it's supposed to be this beautiful thing that has slowly over time been twisted into, into a deformed state. And that's what you're, the world that you're in. So it's this very nonlinear style game where there are lots of different areas that you can go explore but it's not like you have to checkpoint through this one to get to the next you can it's very similar to like how uh hollow knight you can go and you can find like say green path but then without before you completely finish exploring green path you can go find the fog canyon so you're not beholden to any one area in order to move on to the next you can hit a hard spot where you're like man i'm really stuck here and you can go explore somewhere else i like that kind of play i do too i like that a lot because it does because granted there were a lot of places in this game where I was just stuck and wanted to throw my switch across the room. <laughs> and so that, uh, but so obviously the big part of this is your combat. The combat is like one of the main, aside from the exploration is one of the big things you have your sword, the Mia Culpa. And in that you can do basic slashing attacks. And throughout the game, you can upgrade the Mia Culpa and your move set. Like you very early on, like one of the first moves I got is when you go, you fall or even if you're able to jump high enough and uh, you can hit the down and the attack button, and you'll do this like really diving stab, which That's and then a move you can from even dishonored. It's a very popular game, and I'd say anything is, is a strong downboard attack. But still, you can get something like that. You can get a, a combo uh, where you have to like land three hits, and on the fourth one, you can do a directional like either up or to the side, and you'll do like a even powerful, more heavier attack. Ooh, fancy! It's and I gotta say, the animations like it's very, it's very much like a. a, a, a like 16 32 bit style game. It's not that you, pixel style, the pixel okay. style, pixel style game. And the animations though are beautiful. And two, what's great about it because it's, it's very smooth. The sword, like you, you feel the impact of the Mia Culpa when it strikes the enemies. And then what's even great too, is if you get, you have the ability to parry and when you can parry certain attacks that will trigger the chance of stunning the enemy. And when the enemy is stunned, then you can do a very brutal execution on them. Your Mortal Kombat style finish him. Pretty much. Like, for example, there's these one enemies that are just dudes who have whips and they'll run up at you and start striking at you. If you deflect one of those and you stun it for the execution, the penitent one will grab them by the top of the head and then just take the Mia Culpa and just like hack their neck until he chops the head off. That's horrible. It is horrible, (laughs) but it's also pretty amazing in a brutally grotesque way. So... Again, if you're a fan of that style of like violence and stuff in a, in a game like this, it's got it in spades because there's just that's just the world of Custodia and what you're and what you're in and what you're dealing with and fighting through. So I loved a lot of that stuff about it. You can also get further on. You can get some uh, uh, ranged attacks and different things like that too. You also have aside from your health, you have your fervor bar, which is kind of your mana basically. And what you can do with that is as you fill it up, you can then use prayers which are special attacks like there's one that like shoots lightning across like across from the top and bottom of the screen and like spreads out left to right if that's how prayers really worked in real life do you have any the catholic church would be a booming (laughs) they would have so such congregations i I do love that they're called prayers but um but so there's one like that there's one that just like increases your attack speed for a little while one that uh, sends a like shockwave across the across the edges of the of the room that you're in. But so anyway, you go through, you explore, and as you go through and explore the different areas of 
of the maps, you will find these different things and these different items. Some are just like quest related items. Others are like things that you can attach into sockets in your rosary beads. And they'll give you different buffs and advantages such as like, you know, helping you prevent damage from fire attacks or electrical attacks. And different A things Pandora's like that. bracelet, if you will. <laughs> sure. And so you got things like that. You can, you'll find different prayers. You'll find different, uh, there's, there's all these different things that you'll, there's even a merchant who can go and find and buy things from to, to help outfit your, your kit. But it's also interesting because you have to, not only do you have to find things to fill the rosary beads, you have to find beads to add to your rosary to add more. Oh. Um, and so there's a lot of different things. Like I didn't fill the rosary bead completely. I think I had five slots and I th- want to say there are eight. And so, um, and there's, and also throughout too, just as another random collectible, you'll find like the remains of people and you'll take, and then what you can take them back to like this burial place and everything and collect and to, to return them to their, you know, resting place as it were. And so there's a lot of different great, exploration and everything like that, which is a lot of fun and provided a lot of great, you know, to try to find all the, the different nooks and crannies and where all this stuff is. Um, and so as you go through and you find more of those things that really allows you to customize your move set, really make the game and the penitent one play and fit your, your play style, which is great. So the, the pros of this game, the things that I really did like about it a lot is the combat. Obviously, like if that's going to be the main thing in your game, you got to have that down pretty pat. And I feel like they did it really well with the smooth animations. Again, like you feel the power of the attacks that you bring and it feels really good when you fight across all these different enemies. Um, Again, the the executions are great. The smooth animations. There's also a good variation of enemies and that change depending on the different areas that you go in in the map, on the maps and everything like that. They also do really well. Like one of the great... Uh, slight, not necessarily spoiler. There's not really a whole lot, of, and I'm not going to really give a whole lot of like story spoilers or anything like that in this either. Um, even though I have completed the game and, and finished it up and all that stuff, but it's like there are certain areas. Like there's this one you're up in these high mountains, and it's a cool environmental thing. The wind direction will change, and it that will help you get across certain gaps that are like way too big, or obviously can mess you up and send you dead into the abyss, and you die and like fall or to a pit of spikes and all this other stuff. As one does, as one does <laughs> in a platforming game. So, and then the other thing I liked about it too is just like the the bosses incredibly difficult. Like they are hard, and you they will take you a very, very, very long time to get through. Uh, or at least they did for me. Maybe I'm just a terrible player, but there were some that literally took, I felt like hours to, to beat and get through. Uh, and so I, hours because you were dying yes, or because the fight just took that long. Well, because I was dying okay. and I died Fair a enough. lot because that's the thing about this game too. The combat and all this stuff is great, but it's difficult. It is, is it's a very difficult game. Like it talks about how it's a, in the story synopsis. It said it was a cycle of death and rebirth because what happens is you will die and then you'll find throughout these, throughout the maps and throughout the different sections, there will be these altars that you, your checkpoints basically that you can save your game at. And when you go there, you can be alive still. You can find come back to one of these things and you can, but when you die, you'll respond to the last one you were at. Okay. But you can also say you're going through, you've been going for a long way. You're in a new area. You finally discover a new one and you, you kneel at it and pray at this altar and everything to save that location to activate that altar. Well, what that does though, is it respawns all the enemies. Oh, gotcha. So you never clear an area so you so you have some incentive to not do that if you can help it right but also so you can also one of the other collectibles that you can find are like flasks that are your health uh and 
So basically, if you, you can use those throughout the game and as you're fighting, but if you run out of them, there's no other way to fill them up except for going to these altars or refilling your health. And also, if you die, then it's very similar to like what I was talking about with Jedi Fallen Order, where it's like you can go back and f- or even Hollow Knight with the, the – um, what's it called with the black – the black figure oh, after you shade. die, your shade. Yeah, it's very something similar to that. You can go back and find where you died and and restore your fervor and even some health and things like that too. Because if you die too much, it actually takes away from your fervor. Ooh, like your gauge. Yeah, it's it, it's your guilt. Basically, it's a measure gotcha. of your guilt, and so it it literally will like lower the amount that you can you can that you can store up. So, so technically, actually... if you died too many times and across a whole lot of different places, you could. Fill that bar to the fact to the point where you couldn't perform prayers. So it's quite literally the gauge itself is what's reduced by dying too yep. much. Yep. That's interesting. So it is. But now there are areas throughout the game where you can find these statues where you can absolve your guilt for paying by paying uh, some the money, the currency that you collect uh, throughout the game. And but those are are they communion wafers? <laughs> no, 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 damn it! No. But they are very few and far between those places. There and there are ways to fast travel also th- throughout. There's like a couple different portals scattered throughout where you can go to different areas and come out of the portals on the other side in those specific areas. So there are ways to kind of travel around, but until you start finding those, you are doing a lot of backtracking and a lot of having to travel through. Granted, it is also made where you don't have to fight. The people like you can run through and jump oh, and yeah, dodge and avoid dodge. and get away. But there are some places where you have to, or you're you're gonna get stuck between between a rock and a hard place and could still die. And that that to me got a little frustrating with how much backtracking and sometimes how much and and just sometimes how many times you would die just trying to get back to the place you died last. It's a hallmark of the Metroidvania type game, which right. like a player like me, I appreciate, but I can also see how it gets really frustrating if you're having a really hard time. Right. Which I I'm not I will admit, I've definitely had a, a very hard time. I think I, I gather that the point of Blasphemous though is kinda to have a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't just be absolved of your guilt. For free. Wandersong wants you to aggressively have a good time. Right. Blasphemous aggressively wants you to have a bad time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it really does. Uh, and so other than, than running around and doing all this stuff, like I said, the also the art style of it and the art design is great. Uh, look up a, look up some of the images and stuff for the audio listeners and everything. Like It's just an inc- incredibly beautifully dark game is a good way to describe it. Like the it's, it's grotesque. The enemies that you fight are not good looking. They're disgusting there. It's like, it's a very wicked, cruel, twisted world. They are gross. They're very gross. <laughs> bosses are, are very gross. Like one of the, one of the bosses is, uh, is like, is a baby that has a blindfold, like has like, a, is, has like a cloth wrapped around its eyes, but there's blood like coming out from under it and everything. And it, and it like, tries to grab you and rip you apart from oh, the limbs gosh. and all this stuff. It's, it's terrible. I mean, even the player character, the penitent one, he, he's he's no treat to look at either. <laughs> yeah. It's like a very cool designed character. Though, oh, yes. With very like his, cool. his coned helmet with this, with thorns spiling around yeah. it and everything. It's a very, very, again, very well done, very well uh, created, very well art artistically styled game. So, but all of that, though, and I, so... Oh, and the and the one last thing which we'll talk about a little bit because it is going to be focused at, at it, it will be the point of our soundtrack spotlight is the soundtrack from this game, uh, which was composed by uh, Carlos Viola, and the soundtrack is 
His last name is Viola? Yeah. How appropriate. Know, That's right? really funny. <laughs> but it's a great soundtrack to go along with it. It's very, again, I'm, I have this, like, I'm in the streak right now. Well, that's what I'm listening to. Are these more, like, darker but softer, more brooding soundtracks. What's going on with you, Jared? I don't know. But you want to talk I, about I really it, buddy? Like but, uh, but this one is really well done. Again, also very heavily inspired by by Spanish music. Like, there, like there's the guitar. A guitar is featured prominently in several songs, and the strumming of it, you can just tell. You're just like, oh, yeah. That's like, a Spanish guitar. That's a Spanish guitar. It also is a lot of like melancholy piano, but it's all very, there's never. How much of the organ do they have? Not a whole lot that I've heard. Really? Really. Gosh, not she would yet, but so. it's like, But it's all just kind of seems more of this, this very dark, dark, but still just like hauntingly beautiful score. And it's great. And I love it. Uh, so I would say that's a very, another high point of the game. But all these good things are counterbalanced by some of the bad. And quite honestly, in my experience, I will just say the bad somewhat outweighed the good. The bad. No singing, no dancing. What's the <laughs> That's point? That's true. It's no wonder song. That's for <laughs> What is sure. the point? So the big thing for me, and it honestly, it actually stopped my playthrough for a bit. And I attribute this to it being a smaller studio and to being, uh, and everything like that, you know, like I said, it is a Kickstarter game. So I, I allow a little bit of grace in this, but it is, it had some bugs. In fact, uh, my playthrough oh, yeah, was stopped for quite a while because I got locked out of a, it's soft locked. I was trapped in a room and couldn't leave after yeah. defeating a boss. And it was, and I had to wait, I want to say a month before the patch came out. Before yeah. I could continue on. That was unfortunate. Fortunately, I was able to just pick up where I left off. It wasn't like, well, you got to start a new game. You're stuck. Fortunately, I was able to keep going. So because if that had happened, I probably wouldn't have continued. I mean, those when things like that happen that are so out of your control, you get so demoralized by them. Mm-hmm. I, I've had situations like that where it's just like, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to finish this game. And it's something, too, that kind of came up as a as an uh specifically more in boss fights, but like there were a couple areas like not in a boss fight, but I just remember this one hallway. I was fighting some characters and I killed them, but then I just suddenly started getting hit by an invisible enemy. I couldn't see. And when, again, when it's so important, not dying because of how much of an effect that can have on either a B because it's like, what if I died in that spot? Do I want to go back and try to restore my, my health and fervor? What if the invisible enemy is there there again? again? Exactly. So a lot, I ran into stuff like that. There was also one boss specifically who would teleport and go in like from one part of the map and different or in on the screen. And I would sometimes, and, and a key part to defeating this boss quickly was to be able to get to him and hit him before he was able to initiate his attacks. But because I guess of how it was coded or, or brought in, I don't understand it totally, but you could hit him before he appeared by running into him and it would hurt you. Oh, And I'm like, that's annoying. It just it, it and so especially when it's a boss like that just starts to drag. It just starts to really drag. Yeah. On me. And so that was just I ran into a lot of different things like that. Sometimes also too like trying to jump from a moving platform or land on a moving platform and it just like not registering that you landed on it and you fall into a pit and die. Or the same jump that I made a bajillion times before, jumping from the same location randomly i didn't make it a couple times you know just some some things like that but again buggy things little buggy things and another one that more of a bigger deal in boss fights but i did definitely feel like there were times when the hit boxes or your collision boxes would were inconsistent i guess where it's just like i would swing the mea culpa it would hit them 
I wouldn't move, they wouldn't move, but then I'd, hit, I'd try to follow up to be able to get the combo, and the next two hits wouldn't connect. And I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Sometimes it would interrupt an attack, other times it wouldn't. And so it's just like when you're trying to find, because as, as, uh, beating these bosses in a game like this is all about finding their rhythm. And it's all about knowing to anticipate their move and what they're going to throw at you next. Or even if it's a randomized order of their attacks, you still want to be able to know what to expect when that comes across. And I just felt like that was gone yeah. and made it very difficult to to anticipate that. Not with every boss, but some of them, but a couple of them, like it just, or even trying to even figure out where the hell you were supposed to attack the boss. And then once you found that spot, it's sometimes like how the, the boss would move or uh, position itself. Cause there's this one that's a, that's more of a snake and how it like kind of curl itself and everything. Mm. It had like its main, like its head was a hitbox, and there was a section of its body that was also a, a, a weak spot, but sometimes it would position itself where you couldn't get to either. And I was just like, what do I do here? And it just, it just led to a lot of places where I just was legitimately stumped. And I was just like, I feel like me beating this boss is going to be that I got lucky rather than I actually was skilled right. enough and knew how to play the game well enough to beat the boss. And that's never a good feeling. Right. Um, so then it's also it, for, like I said, I kind of, I kind of mentioned already the backtracking and the, and the exploration got tiring because it's, it's, you find it would come across these different altars or like, or uh, people beings and everything like this, that you would, that would, you would look at it and it would give you a message saying, implying that if you brought something to it, you would be rewarded with something. But I could never figure out what they were wanting. It kind of felt like you had to go and like, just I felt like, like I had to look it up if I wanted to Like know. really obscure side quest yeah. stuff. And, and then, but then also those locations, like the turn in locations aren't marked on the map. So again, it's like you're trying – this game – and I understand that could just be the difficulty they wanted to throw in. But that didn't connect very well with you me. You don't have the ability to put map markers? Mm-mm. Oh, that sucks. Now, it does mark where like the altars to save your game are. It does mark where the statues to uh, absolve your guilt or the teleportation places and all that different stuff. It shows where those are. But as far as like these these other side rooms and characters, you kind of just have to make a mental check note. Check, so check there's mark. no it, function for you to like literally pull up the map and pin points yeah, no. of interest. That's unfortunate. So that just makes it – so again, when it's so key to stay alive – and you have to go through the areas sometimes which have very challenging environmental hazards that you have to sometimes run through multiple times to get right because due to timing and things like that, it just it sometimes just got overwhelming and be like, well, I don't want to go explore and find all these things because this is getting so difficult for yeah. me to do. Uh, and so the biggest thing, though, that really kind of somewhat soured it really for me, and this is spoilery. I'm not going to go into the detail of it, but it is, but it's, it's about the end game of it. So anybody who doesn't want to hear this, give you a second, pause it. Are you reaching for that pause button? The penitent one's name is Keith. (laughs) Very unfortunate. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie side note while people are hitting the pause button? Have you ever seen the movie hoodwinked animated feature from early two thousands? I don't think so. It was like a fun retelling of a little red riding. Oh no, I definitely have. Okay. Well, there's the, at the end of this, the main villain, Boingo, the, the rabbit, he, uh, calls out to one of his henchmen who are like these Eastern European, like ski buffed out ski dudes and everything. And he's like giving them all their, like their like instructions and everything. He's like, Boris, do this, blah, blah, blah. And he gets the last one. He goes, and Keith, Darn it, Keith, change your name. It's not scary. And no one's it's scared by it. It's not scary. <laughs> so, but, so that reminded me of that. But anyway, so um, 
Okay, so you've paused. Spoiler time. So ba- the game has a good ending and a bad ending. Of course. The, as, it, as, 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 as these as games do. Some, <laughs> these games do. But unless I missed it, I did not know there was going to be a good ending or a bad ending. Well, they don't normally tell you. But what, so, Okay, so maybe this is just my unfamiliar familiarity with the genre. Oh. But still, after battling through so much, going to all these things, thinking that I was playing the game right, I still got the bad ending. That, so that I think that's just a hallmark of Metroidvania type okay. games. That's okay. pretty common. That is pretty a common. A lot of Metroidvanias have different uh, endings that are often triggered by certain things you do in the game, sometimes by the percentage of completeness, sometimes by story beats. So that's not surprising to me. Okay. But I can see how if you didn't know to expect that, that would be really annoying. And it was annoying because I felt like I, you would run into a couple things where you did have to make decisions as, to far, as, as far as like freeing someone or you know, like freeing them from their pain, which could be like killing them, but like as a mercy killing kind of thing, or like leaving them to suffer in anguish. Like, and so like I was making this, and I like brought brought back a lot of things to the to the to the villagers in that early on stage, like like some foods and different things like that that I'd collected to try to help ease their pain. So in my mind, in this game that I'm going to, I'm looking for absolution from. And to discover this like terror that's being brought upon the people, I felt like I was doing everything right. But then, so then to get to the end of the game and find out that that was not the case and kind of everything I did was for not, I was kind of like, well, all right. Yeah. That sucked. I mean, like I said, that's not surprising to me. That's really common for the genre. But I think in a lot of cases, especially with games like this that have a heavy difficulty setting, Sometimes you just have to look it up. Uh, You know, I'm not the kind of super hardcore gamer that I'm going to try to do it entirely on my own. I'll do as much as I can. But if I've played a game to completion and I'm still not getting the good ending and I feel like it's actually worth it to try... Mm Sometimes you just got to look it up. And I do feel like that kind of sucks because I would rather have even just a small hint in game, like a character says something or there's something on your map or some sort of small hint of what you're supposed to do, I think is something I would like to see more of, but that is very rare. So that could have been... You usually don't get that kind of stuff. Okay. So then, so then, yeah. So that, that then stems from my unfamiliarity with the, with the genre as a whole of Metroidvania games. So... But still, and then too, just how I play, where I usually I try not to look up things until yeah. after the game's yeah, over, perfectly understandable, and stuff like that. So, so just that kind of just soured it a little for me. And so again, that's must take that with a grain of salt. Then that's a that's a a personal taste then on, on this. But so it just really it seemed, and it really I did look up then again at how to get the good ending, and it is a thing where I had the ability already. It's an item you have to collect, and then you have to oh, use. Yeah. But, I feel like with a lot of Metroidvania games, that's kind of the good ending is usually pretty obscure so, and you have to do something very specific to get it. And you it. did. And you do have to do something very specific. So I will say if anyone who's interested in this game and you want to get the good ending, look up how to do it because it's not something I feel like that you can just stumble upon really. Because right. again, I thought I was doing everything right and I, and I didn't. So that just, and so because of that and to even how you achieve the good ending really kind of pushes you for a close to 100% completion, I would say. But so after, but after receiving, and I think too, and I, I, I read, I should have marked this down, but I, you don't have to replay the whole game to get the good ending. Good. So you can go back like you a few saves. Okay. And, gotcha. and do it. But 
because of like some of the bugginess and because of like especially how that bugginess affected the boss battles that would literally bring my playthroughs that's to a standstill. Yeah. I don't have the desire to do that. And you're yeah, I think that's completely understandable. I mean, the game is still relatively new, so I feel like they probably will continue to patch it and patch those bugs out. So maybe at some point yeah. you might go back well, and I mean, play like they it, came but... back in yeah. Well, they actually are gonna release some free DLC. So oh, I'll probably okay. give that a shot too go. and play around with the game more. Because like I said, the lore, combat, and the just the the setting of it, I'm all about. Like checks all the boxes for me of things that I like. It's just it needed a little bit more, I think, for me to truly love it, I think it just needed a, a smidge more of a tune-up a little bit. Just a little and polish. A little, little bit more polish. A little varnish on them nails. Exactly, exactly. Because it just, uh, because, yeah, just going through it and then getting, it, it just, yeah, it just, it just, it just kind of hit, the ending just didn't give me a, desire, a strong desire to go back to it, basically. Um, but I will say, though, if you are fans of Metroidvania, give it a go. But expect like Dark Souls level of difficulty because yeah. it is no walk in the park. Yeah. So again, I would I would rate uh, as far as like I, I don't necessarily want to give a, like an official rating or anything on it because you know obviously a lot of the things that I didn't like are more of a thing of a personal taste for me. But if you're a fan of this genre, I would say give it a go. It's because the it is fun. Like I did have a blast when I was in like the zone and in a good flow and like learning how to defeat all the enemies that I came up against. That felt really good. But, but you, you know, but like for the reasons I've said, it just kind of had some things that detracted the overall experience for me. Yeah, it but happens. It, it happens. It happens. It happens. What but can still, you do? Uh, for a Kickstarter funded game and an independent game, it was a really, it was a good experience. Just not the one I would have liked it to be. Fair enough. So that is my uh, review of Blasphemous. So golf clap. Golf clap. So, if you have played either Wonder Song or Blasphemous, we would love to know what you thought of either of those games. So, send us an email at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com. Hit us up in the comments section on social media, anything like that, or in our Discord. Uh, links for all that are in the description below. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which is from Blasphemous. And the... My phone went unlock. Ugh iPhone sucks. So, it is uh, from Blasphemous, again, composed by Carlos Viola. It is... Dame du Tor- Dame to Tormento, and it is a very it's it's one of the first it is the first track uh, on the soundtrack, and again it really highlights oh, that brooding melancholy. I may have butchered. Dame the, to Tormento. Dame to Give tormento. me your torment. Ooh, that's fun. Man, see, this is good yeah. that you know Spanish because no wait, Dame. That's tell me. Is it tell me? Is it tell me or give me? It's one of them. But it's a sorry it's a dark brooding track <laughs> that absolutely sets up the emotion and the feel and the atmosphere of what you're about to experience. So that's why I wanted to highlight it for the soundtrack spotlight. Again, Dame to Tormento by Carlos Viola from Blasphemous. That concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast, everybody. We hope you come back next week for another fun gaming show. But stick around to the end of the episode till after this close for the soundtrack spotlight. We'll see you all next week. Bye.